For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right. It is Wednesday night, uh, April 25th, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, DJ. Uh, we are back down to a three-man show tonight. Uh, fourth chair is empty, but we're going to work on getting that fourth chair filled a little more regularly. Going to welcome my esteemed co-host tonight, starting with the uh, from the Rob the Genius Podcast, Mr. Rob. How's it going this week, sir? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. All right. And Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Jason, what's up, man? As he takes a Living sip right dream. as I ask him. Living <laughs> yeah, the dream. Just uh, getting ready for the big Memorial Day weekend. We got lots of stuff going on. Going to Top Gun with the family. Because ah, uh, that was, so, Rob, like you, like you said, you know, how you were, uh, you know, Top Gun is important to your father and was important to your childhood and whatnot. So, so it was with mine. So that the the family getting together and going to see Top Gun is going to be pretty special. And here's where I drop the steamer on the whole party. I've never <laughs> seen Top Gun. Oh, really? <laughs> I've never seen Top Gun. Here's the thing: when I was a kid, man, I, I went on this like self-imposed moratorium against Tom Cruise. It was like it was like I was like actively boycotting Tom Cruise <laughs> because after um, Color of Money and Cocktail and all that other shit, I'm like, he plays the same dude in every film. Now, yes, to be does. fair, thirty years later, not much has changed. And <laughs> yes, still- he does. We we love him for it. I love Tom Cruise the fighter pilot. I love Tom Cruise the assassin. I love Tom Cruise the future pilot. They're the best. Yes. Um- <laughs> Well, I, no, what I like the most about because uh, I I call him Crazy Tom, because <laughs> yeah. he is. But Crazy Tom never cheats the audience. No, no, nope. he does not. Nope. I mean, he gives everything a hundred percent to the point where it's like, dude, are you? Are, what are you doing? But so, speaking so speaking of that, Rob, did you did everybody see the new Mission Impossible trailer, like Dark Tomorrow or whatever it's called? Yeah, I not did. Yet. I did. Not yeah, yet. I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, DJ. There's a scene at the end of the trailer where Ethan Hunt 
drives a motorcycle off of easily a 2,000-foot cliff. Like he and was, he just goes off and jumps off the motorcycle. And I'm assuming, like, after the camera cuts, he's going to open a parachute or something. But as soon as the camera the camera cut and I watched that shot, I said, I don't even have to look it up. I know with 100% certainty that that is not a stuntman. That is Thomas Cruise. That's not his real name, I know. But that is Tom Cruise jumping out of that, that stupid thing. To like, be fair, after um, the – was it The Firm? Was that that first legal movie he was in? I think it was the firm. I, I watched it, and after that, I turned the corner on Tom Cruise, and I've watched most of what Tom Cruise has put out since then, including that really bad Mummy re- remake a couple of years ago, which I actually enjoyed. Um, but yeah, it's like that one Mission Impossible where he goes out. What was is it? The is it in uh, World's Tallest Building? Yeah, in Dubai. In Dubai. In Dubai. Yeah. in Dubai. He does that stunt where he's outside of that building. Actually pulled that stunt off himself. I was like, yeah. that's freaking impressive. Well, and they, they show because it's like, you know, they had one little measly safety harness or something like that. Like, he yeah. did it balls to the wall. Like, he did it. This was not like, okay, Mr. Actor, we're going to pretend you can do your own stunts and we're actually going to do everything for you. No, that dude goes out and does it. Yeah, he didn't yeah. green screen that either, man. They actually went to the building and shot the shot. I'm like, my my chicken shit ass wouldn't have looked out the window. Oh hell and no! That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, and there's the other one from I think it was Ghost Protocol, the Mission Impossible, where he like he's on the side of an airplane and he's yeah. like holding onto it, and that it wasn't actually done, but you see the stunt go, and you're like, this dude is legit crazy. Yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise is nuts, man. Yeah, and he does it for us, damn it. And and that's the thing, he's. He's crazy, but like you said, he does it for us. And yeah. I, you know, I respect that. And because, um, yeah, on that, that trailer, DJ, he did a full evil Knievel. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so is he going to wingsuit off of that motorcycle? Is that what we're doing here? Probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom yeah. Cruise in a wingsuit would be that. I would buy a ticket for Tom Cruise in a wings, just wingsuit through the Grand Canyon or some shit. That'd be awesome. The funny thing is, even his latest like crazy antic. The remember like during you know peak quarantine, they were filming, I believe, this Mission Impossible or the previous one. I don't know how quickly they're cranking him out, but um, and he had that flip out on set where he yeah. like. But at the time, I really didn't. I don't feel bad at any of the because he didn't threaten anyone. He wasn't like you know I'm gonna kick yeah. your ass or like that. He was just like, "Are you guys kidding me?" And he freaked out. And I'm like, I don't really like he really did have to work to get the studio to like, hey, can we film this in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, but you got to do this, this and this and this. And Tom was like, OK, I'm going to do it. And then he saw people not doing it. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me, guys? Right. Which I found interesting because and like I, said, I don't know a whole lot about Scientology. I think it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo and, and, and crap, to be perfectly honest with you. And it, but him being a Scientologist, I kind of thought maybe he would be a bit of a, maybe a COVID denier. Like, mm-hmm. just kind of based on what little I know about Tom Cruise and his history and Scientology, I, I was rather surprised that he was, ta- and, and pleasantly surprised, yeah. that he was taking the pandemic and the precautions and everything that seriously. So I didn't have a problem at all with him, you know, losing his shit on those people for for not following the you know, the guidelines set in place by the studio. Right. Oh, yeah, same here. Talking, yeah, talking about a deadly disease, guys. Yeah. Anyway, and, and, not, and he was taking it seriously. 
So yeah, the, yeah. I'm, this weekend, man, I'm gonna rest up. We went to um, Welcome to Rockville in Daytona this uh, this past weekend. It was four days, Thursday through Sunday, of just hard rock and heavy metal bands, and it was absolutely just incredible. Like I, the whole weekend was just fun. We had easily twenty to thirty bands that we wanted to see. Um, the the downer the whole weekend was. Thursday, the weather was really good. It was a little overcast, but just enough to keep it from being too hot. We saw everybody we wanted to see. Friday, because we live in Florida and it's springtime, almost summer, in Florida, we got rain. And unfortunately, on Friday, the rain was enough. And obviously, we're in the Daytona International Speedway, which is an open-air venue, and there ain't a whole lot of protection. When you get thunderstorms move through Florida everything shuts down that is being held outside. That's just the nature of living here. And it's the chance you take when you go do things. And, you know, Friday night ended up being, I'm trying to pull the schedule up here. I'm trying to think of who got rained out. Um, Yeah, we ended up missing Friday nights. uh, God, I just fell right out of my head because they're not even on the schedule anymore because they pulled them. Uh, Skillet. We really wanted to see Skillet. We didn't end up seeing them because they got rained out. There's some controversy as to what happened with Megadeth. Megadeth was supposed to play right after Skillet. And I heard two different stories. One story I heard was that because of inclement weather, their plane, they couldn't get into Orlando or Daytona or wherever they were flying. So they never even made it on the ground and they just moved on to the next point, moved on because I think Megadeth is on tour right now. And this was supposed to be a stop on the tour. But then later on, I was talking with a kid on Saturday or Sunday night who said, no, they were there, but they pulled a, that ain't going to work for me, brother, and decided not to even get out of their limos. So I, I don't know what happened with Megadeth. I don't care because I've seen them. I saw them at OzFest about 25 years ago. And as much as I like their music, they were I live. They, they weren't a must-see for me. The worst part of it came in on Saturday, and that's when the worst of the weather moved through. And, you know, we were supposed to see Guns N' Roses, Breaking Benjamin, uh, Shine Down, and there was like one or two other bands. And long story short, except for maybe four songs on Shine Down, everybody got rained out. Like, we saw one full band. Uh, we saw Stitched Up Heart, who was excellent. They were awesome. Um, and then we got four songs deep into Shine Down, and the, the worst of the rain moved in. I looked at Tina, I'm like, this is done for the night. Because we had already come, when we saw Shine Down, we had already come off a two and a half hour rain delay as it was. So it's like almost nine o'clock at night. Shine Down's just starting their set. Guns N' Roses is supposed to go on at 9 30, and the rain moved. And I'm talking like a horrible thunderstorm, not like a little bit of rain. This was like thundering and lightning, which was actually kind of cool because where the set was for Shine Down behind it in the backdrop in the in the sky was like this amazing like lightning show it was actually one of those rock and roll things i've ever seen in my life was the stage and shine downs on there and there's lightning going off behind it it was fucking incredible but they they called it i looked at t and i'm like you know what we're done for the night so we ended up missing guns and roses we missed breaking benjamin there was one other band we missed sunday ended up being spectacular there wasn't a cloud in the sky we got sunburnt we had a blast the, the takeaway from this is the reaction of the people who were understandably disappointed, but the reaction, and I wanted to make a parallel here to pro wrestling fans. I know this is strictly a, a wrestling podcast. We don't really talk about a lot of other stuff, um, but the, the parallel to 
how entitled people feel they are because two days got fairly well rained out and there were a lot of bands that were advertised who didn't play one of them being guns and roses which is huge um but there were already people like walking out the door expecting refunds expecting them to give them tickets to the next time because this rolls around once a year it comes around every year and it was in jacksonville now it's in daytona and, and I'm listening to these people talking. I'm going online. I'm in the, the websites and the Twitter and Facebook and everything like that. And everybody's saying the same thing. Oh, you scammed us. And you, you know, you promised us this and didn't deliver. And I'm listening to them like, guys, it was a fucking lightning storm in Florida. People die from lightning every day. And the lightning doesn't have to be directly overhead to kill you. You know, and for those of us that live here, we're used to thunder and lightning and rainstorms and things like that. Canceling shit on a daily basis. So when I think about just how entitled people were, and believe me, these tickets were not cheap. We had paid for a whole weekend, you know. And when we were leaving on Sunday night, there was a guy, him and his wife were from out of town, and they were talking, oh, yeah, another one rained out. And he made the comment, he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I spent $3,000 to watch four bands, which I guess was all he got to see over the whole weekend. I'm assuming with, you know, plane ticket, tickets to the show, hotel, everything like that. And I'm like, brother, was there nobody else here that you wanted to see? Like, there were easily 60 to 70 bands playing and for my count 10 got rained out and didn't actually perform so they delivered 80 percent of what they promised they were going to deliver and, and you're you're bitching and com- complaining about that so it's just a it's just a weird thing it's and like i said very very much a comparison to wrestling bands that are entitled and, and feel like they're owed something um, so yeah, it's an interesting experience. I, that being said, I'll do it again next year. I'll take the chance on the weather and, you know, cause I had a blast. Yeah, man. It sounds like it was an awesome time. It's funny that you make that parallel. Cause it's like, yeah, but at the same time, I feel, I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know. I'm going to pick a band out of this. It wasn't like they rained out anthrax, but guns and roses is pretty darn big. And then I understand yeah. if you bought the ticket specifically, like, okay, I'm going to see all these other bands, but I'm going to see Guns N' Roses. Right. You know, kind of like me in some of the lean years of the lean years of Raw, um, where I was like, well, I'm going to see all these assholes, but I'm going to see Roman Reigns. So, all right, I guess I'll do that. Um, and then if Roman didn't show up, I get, did get pretty disappointed. But I don't know about marching to the office for a refund. <laughs> Well, cards they always tell you cards subject to change, and same thing. They tell you in the fine print when you buy these tickets to these festivals, it's an outside weather permitting, like it's right there. Weather permitting, you're you're taking a chance, and with the understanding that shit could go sideways. Yeah, you know, and and if it you you agree to spend the money with the understanding. That and it wasn't like you know they they didn't even bring the bands in because Guns was there ready to play, and Skillet had all their shit set up to play. Um, Shine Down started to play, got four songs deep, and they called it. Breaking Benjamin was going on before Guns and Roses. They never hit the stage either. Um, so yeah, it's just it's one of those things. One nice thing, and I did notice this today. The uh, the owners of the promoter, the company, whatever that promoted this whole festival. They did put out a statement that they are working with their insurance company and some other people to work on some type of resolution that'll make people happy. Because there were a lot of people up in their feelings over this. And 
I, I look at it this way. I'm like, if, if they give me a hundred bucks back on my weekend, do I feel like I need it? No. Right. But, you know, I'm fine with that. And I think that's perfectly acceptable for, you know, what little bit I personally missed. Yeah. It's funny that you say you missed Guns N' Roses and you missed Breaking Benjamin because I think Breaking Benjamin alone would make me march to the office and be like, all right, I'm not going to be an asshole, but what are you going to do for me here? Right. Because I hate those guys. You know what? I'm not – prior to Fort Rock about four years ago, I, I listened to Breaking Benjamin. Wouldn't say I was a fan, but I tell you what, they put on one hell of a live show. They do. Breaking Benjamin is badass live, man. Yeah. I've never heard yeah. that. You've never heard nope. them? They're, they're nope. kind of hard. I don't know what your your music – I know you like U2 and things like that, but if you're into something a little bit harder, a little bit heavier, Breaking Benjamin's pretty good. Yeah, Ron, so, I'll send you stuff there. Pretty good. So – we didn't come here tonight to talk to you guys about Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, rock concerts, or the Daytona 500 <laughs> International Speedway. Um, we came to talk wrestling, but first we need to... This is part three of the Jason trilogy. <laughs> um, yes, we're doing this. I promised them I can't... J- Jason, we talked about this. <laughs> Jason, we have to deliver. We've promised. I, I don't want to be like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. That's not no. what we do here. <laughs> no, it's and we are we are not the program that overpromises and underdelivers on Wednesday nights. We leave that program on Turner Networks. And that's yes. right. There, that 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 company works in Jacksonville. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, two episodes ago. Uh, Jason was watching the Celtics game and came down to the buzz. There was a buzzer beater and the Celtics lost. And Jason had a, had a meltdown and a temper tantrum on the show and ended up, I'm, I, I'm repeating myself from last week, but I'm pretty sure Jason dropped an F-bomb, slammed his camera down and pretty much it dropped right out of the, right out of the podcast. Right, right. Like right at the tail end of the episode it was awesome. So we had a good laugh at his expense. We did. We, 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 we had a good laugh and finished up the episode. Last week, we had a uh, bit of a disciplinary meeting, and we had a, a discussion with Jason about how important it is to our listeners that we maintain some composure and some decorum on the show. We're very professional here. Um, and we found it to be pertinent and prudent to Im- impose a little bit of a punishment here on Jason. And if you listened last week, you, you kind of heard what the punishment was. And if you didn't, the punishment was as follows. Jason's Probably least favorite wrestler in the world is a toss-up between CM Punk and the Young Bucks. And basically what I posed to Jason was, as, as reparations to you, the listeners, he had to come up with a 50-word essay explaining to you and making us believe it and feel it why CM Punk is his absolute favorite <laughs> wrestler on the planet. Now, the stipulation was he had to make us feel it. Like, I need to believe that CM Punk is the new tribal chief. Because we know how Jason, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know how Jason feels about the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, now, Jason, are you prepared, sir? I'm I'm prepared. I can talk about CM Punk and put him over. I didn't write anything down because... Okay. You know. Well, I told you, even if you pull it out of your ass, I'm fine with that. But I can tell you that CM Punk... CM Punk had maximized... And I, I'm trying to say this without being, like, backhanded. Honestly, go back and go back to the episode where we... Where the episode after he made his big re-debut re- on Rampage. And listen to me talk about that guy. Because if you've heard me talk, talk about that guy, I have no love for that guy whatsoever. But he came back. That was a moment. And I think that he's he maximized that as best he could. But the real thing about CM Punk is that he has that thing that we talk about that no one can really put into words. Like, it's the it factor, man. It's the it's the, it's the the reason that I that talk about all the time. In the first episode of Raw I watched in, watched in 20 years, Roman's music hits, he walks down the ramp, I look at this big Samoan dude in a vest, and I go, who the hell is that guy? He's my favorite wrestler. Hand to God. That's all it took. The look, the, the whatever. And Punk has it, too. Because I, even I... As jaded as I was about Stephen Punk, he took he, that that op- that opening promo for Rampage, and then his good six months of being a good little doobie and not shit talking anybody. But specifically that promo on Rampage, I walked away and I was like, I get it. I get why this guy was been has been gone for like twenty years and people still chant for him. I get why people, you know, I get the whole thing and i totally understand why you can well i don't but i don't understand it with a lot of people how people can forgive a lot of the very obvious and very true stuff that he's done but cm punk right wrong or indifferent is one of the best professional wrestlers of at least the 20th century 20th 21st century the modern era if you want to call it that um that's undeniable you can't you can't even fight against it because you look at the reactions the dude gets. You look at um, the places he's been, the championships he's won, and probably going to win. Um, the fact that that dude can burn every single bridge he ever walks across, and still people put bridges in front of him. It's just, it's it, it's gone beyond like getting mad about it and being like, why is everyone like this guy? Blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's gone to being impressive. It's just in. It's incredible that you can have a reputation such as yourselves and just walk into places and, you know, just be the man. I I can take a lot of things away from CM Punk, but I cannot take away from the fact that he is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of the modern era. So, there you go. That's the best I can do. Okay. Rob, what do you think? Is that, that satisfactory to move forward from this, this era? Uh, that works for me. I have a couple of things to add. Okay. <laughs> Um, WrestleMania main events: Psycho Sid two, CM Punk zero. 
Oh, oh poor. So I, CM Punk's I, never going to live that down. Hang on. No, I, well, Psycho Sid is pretty funny. But WrestleMania made events, CM Punk, zero. The guy CM Punk was told to make look strong, six. Yeah, and also the guy that, that CM Punk shit on yeah, has one, yeah. and he's got zero. And, of course, the 13-time women's champion has one also. Oh, there it is. Also. Oh, <laughs> oh man, he snuck it in again, Jason. He, yeah. he tried to sneak it in before we even went live in the chat, and then he just he just shoehor- he shoehorned another one in. <laughs> Good old shoehorn Charlotte. <laughs> and, and we would be remiss, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the Tribal Chief's birthday, right? Yes, it is. It is, it is oh, the I'm Tribal gonna... Chief's what, 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 what? Time out. It is the greatest birthday in the history of birthdays. Because not only is March 25th the birthday of our tribal chief, a reigning, defending, undisputed, universal heavyweight champion, it is also the birthday of the greatest movie of all time. Star Wars was came out in 1977, also on this day. So That's this is right. one of the greatest days of all time for me. Yes. So as Tony Schiavone would say, this is the greatest night in the history of our sport. That's, That's right. right. All right. Well, happy birthday, Tribal Chief. You enjoy that, <laughs> sir. So let's break it down and get into what we really wanted to talk about tonight. Um, we are not going to, like I said, the big news over the last 10 days in the pro wrestling world and WWE has been Sasha, Sasha and Naomi walking out of Raw and subsequently, you know, them being indefinitely suspended by WWE. Um, we're not going to go down that road tonight too deep or really at all because there's nothing new to report. There's nothing new to talk about. And we pretty much got everything we needed to say about that last week. Moving forward, WWE has decided, obviously, since the, the, the ladies were going to push the titles before they walked out, had, they've, they've <clears throat> opted for, and everybody knew this was coming, a tag team title tournament. And we've been talking most of the day in the Discord chat about women's wrestling in general, but more specifically the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. And Rob really had an idea as <clears throat> to what it might take for not only fans, but WWE to take this, uh, take these tag team titles more seriously, because this seems to be the crux of the argument that Naomi and Sasha had was it didn't feel like WWE and management creative was taking these championships seriously. So Rob, why don't you take us, take over here and kind of tell us a little bit more about what you were thinking about earlier on today. Okay. So now there's basically, there's, a, there's a, been a, a, what I would call a twofold problem. With the whole women's tag team division. Um, because some of it is on Vince McMahon, of course. But some of it is on us as fans. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so now, you know, we all know Vince barely cares about men's tag team wrestling. So the women's tag team thing was not something he was thinking about at all. Bailey and Sasha spent a year pitching it to him. And we, and we talked about it a lot last week, basically, because, you know, there were a bunch of girls that were just in just meaningless tag team matches at the time. And so they got them to prove it and approve it. So now what I've done, now, so I just kind of went through, like, the history of how these things get booked. And 
you know, we've mentioned before about how the, you know, the iconics being in witness protection, but basically what's happened along the way, because they've been in existence for three years and there's this kind of pattern where they were on one of the pay-per-views. They decide to have the, the big women's tag team title match. And that basically involves anywhere from four or five or six teams. Um, they had an elimination chamber where they've crowned the first champions. They had a four-way at WrestleMania that year. They had a... But then... Then they did... In 2021, they had that uh, five-team gauntlet thing, which was just absolutely terrible. Yeah, that was <laughs> a cluster bomb. Oh, that was horrible. Um, then they had... And this year, they had the, the four-way match at this year's WrestleMania. So there's this kind of pattern where, you know, one of these matches is coming up... And so they start, you know, emphasizing the teams that are already in existence. And then they slap together a couple of teams to throw into it. And then you have this big multi-team match. Yay, look at all the women's tag teams. And then, like, within a month, this is what's crazy, right? Um, the, the tag teams literally go away. Because mm-hmm. after WrestleMania 35, uh, they had, like, six teams going into that thing. And then, uh, and this is crazy. So, listen to this, all right? Because well, for the well, the first team, uh, Naomi and Carmella were thrown together for the first for that chamber match where they crowned the first champion. Mm-hmm. They literally, they, they were literally done as a team after that match. They were just there for that match. Um, then after the WrestleMania 35, listen to this list of what happened. Okay, um, Nia Jax had double knee surgery, so she and Tamina were done. Beth Phoenix and Natty. We're just together for the one match. So after that match, they were done. That's uh, two teams down already. You know, you know, Sasha went and took a break for a few months. So her and Bailey were done. That's three teams down. And the Riot Squad got split up because, well, Ruby went to have shoulder surgery. Then they split up Liv and Sarah. So that's four teams down already. Put it after WrestleMania 35, they were down to two teams. Okay. After they had just had like six going in. And that's been a kind of a rinse and repeat kind of thing. They they built, you know, they, you know, some teams have been together for a while and then they throw a couple together. They have the big match and it's and the big match three times has been at WrestleMania. And then shortly afterwards, the teams start disappearing. Like after, you know, WrestleMania 37 last year, you had five teams in that match. And then shortly after WrestleMania, Billy Kay gets released, Lana gets released, Ruby gets released. That's three of the teams gone, right? Not long after WrestleMania. And so this it's just a pattern and it keeps going and it keeps going. And that's the part that's on Vince because Vince and Creative do not have not just committed to keeping these teams together and doing stuff with them and all of that. Um and now this year, um, they, we had the four-team match, and the day after WrestleMania, Zelina and Carmella split up, and then a couple weeks later, um, Rhea and Liv split up. So we were already out of the two te- four teams in that match. We we're already down to two. Uh, so, but look, that's on Vince. That's on Creative for doing that, for not keeping these teams together, for not having any ideas for these teams beyond, you know, setting up for the big match. But 
some of this is on us. And if you're wondering, now how is this on us, you might ask. Well, guess what? They can put stuff out there, but you got to watch it. And that was my point. Yeah, and that's been my point all along with women's wrestling in general. You know, and, and go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. And really, really, it's not you, the you people we talk about. For once, it's not. It's casuals. Yeah. Casuals and and Rob's, Rob has pulled data on women's wrestling. And unfortunately, you know, there's just historical data to back up that people aren't watching you know unless it's like a ronda rousey and i know nobody wants to hear that or somebody super important like a charlotte like a becky the rest of the girls and again rob has pulled the numbers that the rest of the girls are a distant second and that's on fans you know it's if you're not why if you're changing the channel when the women's match comes on on tv or if you're not going on youtube to check out the women's matches and the women's segment you're part of the problem and I've said this before on this show, Vince McMahon is not going to turn away money. This is every reason how and why Becky Lynch got the push that she got. It gained traction. It was making money, and Vince put her at the front of the company. So it's possible for it to be there, but the fans have to latch onto it. You can't sit on Twitter and complain, oh, we want more women's wrestling, and then when they give it to you, you don't watch it. Right. Now, to that, um, so what I've done here, because we have a actually this year we have a nice sample here size here because they started a whole program leading up to WrestleMania, so we had several weeks of matches between the four teams that were in that match and between and there were singles matches between members of those teams, so we had several weeks of that leading up to WrestleMania, and then since then we've had about a good month of. Matches that Naomi and Sasha were in as defending champions. And so this was, this is one of those look for math nerds like me. This is like, this is just fun stuff to do here because there's a, there's a real hard break point and just, and the numbers are right there and I can play around with them, do all kinds of things. So basically here's the deal. All right. So in the whole lead up to WrestleMania, which started on February 25th, that's when uh, Sasha had a singles match with Shotzi and then Naomi came up to her after, you know, and they got in the ring, had a little promo and they said, we're going to be your next women's tag team champions. That's where it started. And it continued from there on through WrestleMania. So there were a bunch of matches between Sasha and Naomi teaming against different teams. There was, you know, Naomi was in some singles matches. Sasha was in some singles matches and all Types of good stuff. Okay, on average, those matches and segments and whatnot averaged 877,000 views. And I should add that four of those matches got over a million views. Okay. And there's a fifth one that might get there. They will probably get there sometime later on this year. Okay. So that's good. All right. If you get over a million views, that's good. Okay. If you get close to a million views, that's not so bad. All right. Now, so Sasha and Naomi win the titles at WrestleMania. Yay. And then after that, we have from April 4th, which was the Monday, the night after, you know, the second night of WrestleMania 
up until May 13th, which was the last night they performed together. We have a bunch of other matches and whatnot. And so now, before WrestleMania, everything averaged 877,000 views. After WrestleMania, 644,000. So there are 230,000 people who basically enjoyed the ride up to them winning, but then checked out after they did. It's about a 25% drop off. Yeah. Give or, give or take. Yeah. And um, so, so there are some people here and that just basically they were interested in the story leading up to the match. And then once that, and for them, the story was finished when Naomi and Sasha won and they weren't particularly interested in watching them defend the titles. And um, that could now, so you might say, well, that's, well, that was the story and the story concluded at WrestleMania. But if we're going to, you know, you got to stick around, you know, if, if, if you want to see this thing through, you you got to stick around and you got to, you know, and it, you can't just, you can't check out, right. Once they hit the benchmark, right. I mean, there's, um, so it's just, there's, there's a drop off there and not look, I don't do TV ratings because there's so much, you know, you know we've been through that before the number is not reliable and you got to look at things in context and all that, but right. this is a pretty solid indicator. Um, of what because because here look i mean you have to click on the thing and you got to watch it right right so there's you know there's no you know a hundred thousand views here is a hundred thousand views it's not it's not some projection or something okay so about a, a quarter of the people who were interested in watching them go win the titles were not interested in watching what came after yeah. Uh, let me let me pose a real quick question we're gonna put a pin in that for just a second rob you were talking a minute ago about how you know, they broke up this tag team and these two weren't together anymore and these two went their separate ways. And you laid that on on Vince and on creative for splitting up these teams. I'm going to start with Jason. I'm going to ask a question here. How much of that do you think is actually creative or how much of that is the individuals? Because I can tell you from personal perspective, while, yes, being in a tag team can be rewarding, being in a tag team can be fun and tag team wrestling can be fun. Every single person who gets in the industry has the solo run dream. How much, Jason, do you think is on the wrestlers themselves not wanting to necessarily be in a tag team? Well, especially for some of the ones who don't even have, like, a gimmick. It's like it's like Carmella and Selena. It's like, okay, you're both heels. What else you got? Yeah. Nothing? Well, so obviously... As a worker, if I was Zelina, I wouldn't be, like, jazzed about working with Carmella. I like Carmella just fine. She's a lovely girl. But it's like our characters don't – we can't really do the odd couple thing because we're both kind of bitches. And it's like it, – it, there's a gen, enough similarities where you can't do the odd couple thing. And there's enough differences where it's like, okay, well, what brought you guys together? Um, and I think you can kind of repeat that same – problem with a lot of the teams that have come and gone in this thing and as a worker i can just tell you if i don't have my heart behind something or i don't believe in something that we're selling or 
you know, something like that, I'm not going to put as much effort into it. And I don't know if that's, you know, that's, yes, that's on the talent, but that's also human nature. Right. So it's, I think it, it, you got to lay a lot of this on creative because creative is supposed to be creative, not just go, hey, you're a heel. Hey, you're a heel. Why don't you guys get together? That's not creative. That's lazy. You're not, okay. you're not the lazy department. You're the creative department. Do a little creating. Rob, what do you think? How much of this is on creative and how much is this on the talent having their own singles career aspirations versus wanting to be a, a filler tag team? Well, uh, okay, because well, I'll say this about creative. If you can put together a storyline that gets people's interest up to a certain point, like this year they had it, they had interest up to WrestleMania in this storyline about these tag team titles. Uh, when they first created the titles, they had people's interest leading up to that first Elimination Chamber match. Uh, so they've shown that they can do it, and and there have been some. You know, um, stories here and there with some of the tag team champions along the way that were actually, you know, a good tag team story. And I'm saying that because, like, the um, the golden role models thing was a Bailey and Sasha story. I wouldn't call that a tag team wrestling story. Right. As good as that was. Um, but, like, look, Shayna and Nia Jax, they, over time, they were a very entertaining duo, right? Uh so they've shown that they can do it. It's not that it's impossible. Like if, like if they were just trying and failing all the time, then you might say, okay, well, maybe it just can't be done. But they have had successes. You know, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were a success. They were a thrown-together team, and they were a success. Um, but you know, how much of that is on creative and how much of that, again – Going back to my original point, how much is that is on the talent just not wanting to commit to it? Well, and no, some talent doesn't want it because I'm mean, uh, one of the things uh, like um, Ember Moon. She she said once that you know she didn't you know for her tag team wrestling had too many moving parts as far as doing matches and whatnot. And, and yeah, all right. Um, and some people you know they don't mind doing tag team matches, but they don't want to be fully committed to it full tag team program like look becky and charlotte both are not here for you know some full tag team program um they'll team you know they'll be in a tag team for a match or whatever but they they both are not here for that um well i only say that because i think i immediately go to the iconics and ring work aside as a team together the iconics worked like they just did and they were interesting together, you know, and Billy Kay had her her quirky personality that worked. Peyton Royce was a little bit more the workhorse of the team. So there was enough dynamic between the two of them. But then I still feel like Peyton derailed the whole thing by going to Vince and saying, hey, I'd like a singles run. Well, yeah. Like, uh, like yes. you essentially nuked your entire WWE career because you didn't want to do the tag team thing. And to me, that's not on creative. That's on the talent. And, you know, same thing with Ember Moon. If when Shotzi got called up to the main roster, her and Ember Moon were an awesome, interesting, fun tag team. Like, I really dug Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart yeah, they, they as a tag really, team. They were really good together. But if Ember's general feeling was, I don't really want to be in a tag team, 
Well, again, I, I can't look at creative and say, hey, you guys failed Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart because they didn't, you know, because you guys didn't bring Ember up with Shotzi. If that wasn't what Ember wanted for her career, you know, then that team not moving up to the main roster is not on creative. That's not on Vince. Right. I said, I don't, I'm not saying that to be factual information, you know, with what I know. I'm just saying if that was indeed a, a, um, a deciding factor in not bringing those two up together as a tag team because they could have perfectly slotted those two right into the women's tag team division because they haven't used Shotzi at all. Like no. Shotzi has sporadically been on TV in the, what, nine months now that she's been on the main roster? Yeah, and they mostly job her out when she's on. They mostly job her out. Like they took the tank away from her, they took the helmet away from her, and yeah, they, they what they should have done, and I don't know how much of this was on creative versus how much was on Ember. They should have brought them two of them up together because they were a damn fine tag team. They were interesting together, and they could have slotted them right in to the tag team division and given them something to do. And plus, we already knew Ember, so right there was some familiarity. So. We're familiar. We were familiar with Ember, so that could help Shotzi get acclimated. Instead, they brought Shotzi up with Tegan Knox, who we didn't know. Well, if you watch NXT, but the people who don't watch NXT, basically, they brought up two girls together, and it's like, well, who the hell are these people? Right. <laughs> and, and that's usually not. That, it just doesn't work well. I mean, there's always when you do that. There's always a period where. You know, you, you got, you know, where if people just don't know who the hell you are, doesn't matter how good you are, they're just going to be like, well, what is this? Because, um, I mean, Tony Storm had the same problem, right? People just didn't know who the hell she was. And she was very much an in the bubble talent. I like Tony Storm very yeah. much, but I'm in the bubble. Yeah. You know, so. And, but they could have brought her up with, they could have brought shots up with Ember instead of Tegan. And like I said, we knew Ember, we've seen Ember, we're familiar with Ember. And it's like, oh, Ember's back. Oh, she's got a partner, right? That, that, would have worked much better, right? Yep. Um, so that that's on creative. Now, maybe they brought Shotzi up without Ember because, you know, they kind of had feelings. Well, because, you know, um, because I guess Ember had expressed in the past that she wasn't big on the tag team thing. So even though her and Shotzi had been teaming up, if they had already felt like, well, she doesn't really like doing this stuff, so we're not going to worry about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm just saying creative has shown that they can. Okay. Um, that they've shown that they can, right. Um, it's just, they don't, they don't stay committed to it. And then they get in a pinch. They just start slapping teams together. Um, and they, they just, they don't, they don't commit to it. And, that's on them, I think. And look, yes, and you know from being in the business that, like you said, every people want a singles run. There are very few people. There are very few teams that we know that just got together and stayed together. You know, like the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express and the Road Warriors, and you know. Yeah. And um, look, oh shoot, Matt and Jeff Hardy wanted singles runs. Yeah. Okay? You know, I mean, so they well, wanted singles runs. I mean, and they both had very good singles runs, but. They didn't want but to be a tag team forever. Let's take two guys like the go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody in that TLC match got singles run. Bubba had a singles run. Yeah. Um, you know, Edge obviously had a singles run. Edge and Christian had their singles runs. You know, and those are three of the greatest tag teams of all time. Right. 
But let, let's take a, a team like, let's say the Viking Raiders. As we mm-hmm. know them right now, do you see a successful singles run from either Eric or Ivar? No. Like, under their current gimmicks and their current personalities, I don't see them being anything more than a tag team. Now, maybe individually they have something inside them that they could drag out and and make a, a believable singles run. Sometimes you you have to accept as bitter a pill as that is to swallow where you may end up in the grand scheme of things. And if you want to find your way on TV, you may have to bite that bullet and say, hey, look, I'm never going to be a huge single star, but maybe I can make some noise as a tag team. Now, I think the Vikings are awesome as a tag team. Oh, yeah. Like, they're they're that that smash-mouth style that I enjoy. Um, but you take, like, uh, again, I, I talked about them last week, Fandango and, and Tyler Breeze. You know, individually, those guys weren't doing crap. Fandango went into witness protection, as Rob likes to say. Yeah. Um, and Breeze was pretty much jobbing out to whoever they had him on TV with every week. Those two got their shit together, said, hey, why don't we get, why don't we form a tag team? They're not doing anything with us on the singles. Let's form a tag team and see if we can get it over. I really feel like if there were some women who would say, hey, look, I don't, like, right now, the top of the women's division is stacked. There's way too many people at the top. You've got, you know, Asuka's back. You've got Becky and Charlotte. Eventually, Bailey's coming back. Um, Ronda Rousey's there. And some, Lacey Evans is going back into that into that fold and you've got Alexa bliss always circling the wagons at any given time. Rhea Ripley could walk in and, you know, snatch anybody's top spot out from beneath them. So there's easily six or eight women in that top slot, but there's 20 other women sitting below that who need something to do. And it is going to take some women backstage looking at each other and going, look, if we want to get on TV, we need to give them something on TV they can use. That is going to mean putting together some type of tag team. Bret Hart and uh, Jim Neidhart did that, you know, as the Hart Foundation. You know, they both had abysmal singles runs prior to that. And I don't even think Neidhart was getting regular regular work until then. So, but that being said, as Rob pointed out, creative and WWE has got to commit to this. And that's where the problem comes in. Why won't they commit to a fully functional regularly televised women's tag team division. And I think the answer to that is very layered and very nuanced. And it goes back to what we were saying before. You guys got to watch. Yeah. And yeah. so basically what it boils down to, because I mean, and I think now is the time to strike on um, whatever, whatever, whatever is going on with Sasha and Naomi right now. It looks like the train keeps rolling. They have, dropped the titles, and there's going to be this tournament. Now, forgive me, because I was flipping a lot last night, uh, on Monday night. Did they mention when or anything about the tournament uh, on Monday? uh, uh, No, they did not. Now, there are reports that they're going to put some of the, they're going to put some of the gals from NXT in the tournament. You know, like some of those teams, like, you know, Caden and she's not Casey anymore, but you know what I'm talking about. But, um, uh, Katana. Katana yes so uh, they're going to put some of those there's reports that they're going to have some of those teams participate in the tournament but just for the tournament um, and well and well I guess no see another thing is so they they've brought all these women up to the main roster as singles competitors 
I think the only team they brought up is a team where the Iconics. Everyone else has been brought up as a singles competitor. Yeah. And so you have well, all these, so you I have all, because like what what do you what do you pivot to next? Because I think this is a this is a very uh, excuse me the iron is very very hot and you need to strike right now because again as I said. Regardless of what goes and goes on with Sasha and Naomi, those titles are going to go to somebody. If right. I'm a girl backstage right now who's not getting much TV time, doesn't quite have a direction or whatever, I'm picking another girl that I think I can work with. And I go, listen, if we nail this, we can be, you know, front and center with this tag team division thing. Um, because as we've talked about, they don't have teams. They have friends. They have pals. They have, you know people who said hi to each other a couple of times at the WWE holiday party. Like they don't have teams. So if you can, if you creatively can, you know, get with another great gal and be like, all right, let's put something together. Then you bring that to creative. I guarantee they're going to take you very, very seriously at this point. Cause if you, well, we, we have, an, we had an example of that last year, actually, because uh, Natty and Tamina did that very thing. Um, yeah. They came up with that. And, and and the whole you know gimmick behind it was you know we're both you know second generation or third generation whatever and that's going to be our thing, and they came up with that and they got a tag team title run out of it. Yeah. Um. So it's there to do. Now. Now and one thing now, what we can't what they, what we as fans and the talent both have to stop doing is they have to stop you know looking for basically sasha plus whoever to save the division right um because that you know you have to stop putting that on one team to do that to make everything interesting right because that didn't work this time because here we had a team that had two very popular women and they went on the save tag team wrestling crusade and it did not work and if and if you're and for those of y'all who are saying well yeah dude they got great reactions blah 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 uh people love sasha they love naomi they i said last week they didn't the them saving tag team wrestling was not particularly what people were interested in and i'm telling you that because um again you can you you can look at these same numbers I'm looking at here. Those right? numbers don't lie. And I can tell you that, I mean, the last match they had together the, when they defended against uh, Natty and Shayna, that match was hyped up for several weeks. They had a promo segment against each other. They had some singles matches against each other where they fights broke out and whatnot. They put the full creative effort into selling that match. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this right now, and here's here's something that, okay, that was on May 13th. As of right now, um, the highlight reel from the I Quit match at Backlash, which, which aired the same night, has more views. Yeah. Sami Zayn versus Matt Riddle, which aired the same night, has more views. Raquel Gonzalez, not, okay, not Raquel, not the match that Raquel and Ronda had, but Raquel Gonzalez walking out to answer the challenge has more views. Raquel Rodriguez. I'm sorry, Raquel. Yes, Raquel Rodriguez. I'm sorry. 
So those things have more views than the championship match that they spent weeks hyping up. Okay. Those things all aired on the same night and they got more views, you know, off of YouTube later than this championship match. They spent weeks hyping up. So, um, you know, you, you tell me here what, you know, and, oh, and let me add it. Okay. One week later, the announcement that they got suspended has 860,000 views. The match they were in a week before that, that championship match has 537,000. Wow. So Michael Cole talking about them getting suspended is approaching twice as many views as them actually in a match for the championship. Okay, so y'all are telling on yourselves here. Yeah. Okay, okay. y'all are telling on yourselves. All right, as far as yeah. as what you care about. And to be fair here, why would Vince or Creative take it seriously when obviously fans aren't? And and maybe this is a lesson in you know, yeah, guys, we don't always steer the ship. Sometimes the casuals do. And I know not all of us are going to go look at every single YouTube highlight and every single Twitter retweet and you got to do this. Oh, it has the tag team division. And, oh, because we watch the show every week. Right, right. So we don't have to do anything. But it's not us we're talking about, guys. It's the whole mechanism. It's the whole WWE ecosystem of casuals and hardcore people and whatnot. And clearly it's not gaining traction with one group, and I would, based on my timeline and my friends, I would tell you that it's not the hardcores that they're having trouble pulling in. Well, yeah. let, me, let me say this, though, but because on that thought, okay, the, sure. the, the, the title unification match between the Usos and RK Bro has 2.8 million views. Wow. So now, now, only 2 million people watch SmackDown live on television. So if it's got 2.8 million views, that means some people that watched it on TV went back to double dip. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say yes. At least some of that 2.8 million is people who watched it on TV, and and when they saw the clip up there, and and you know they wanted to see it again. Sure. Uh, I can. I've done that. I mean. Um, Me too. In fact, they're like about. 12 or 13 times I've done it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he is unstoppable with that. Anyway, no, no. Um, but pe- people absolutely double dip. I mean, yeah. they watch and they watch it on TV and they go back and watch it again. Um, because, I mean, like the promo that Roman and Paul Heyman did the night after WrestleMania, right? That thing's at 3 million views. I mean, the live audience for Raw was like at 2 million. So, yes, people double dip. I've watched that segment a few times because it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Right? Um, I've and, watched I've watched his It's Always Going to Be Personal to Me promo about 10 times. So, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's people double dip. Um, you know, if you watched the match and you thought it was really good, there's no, I mean, no, I'm not, I mean, but... We, you know, some on us. You have to show the interest, and showing the interest, you know, tweeting about it, is kind of a hollow thing. And that's well, because look, wrestling Twitter is very much a big lie. Okay, it is. Um, also, 
be interested as we want and not enough people are interested in the women's tag team division as currently constituted that's and clear that's that's twitter it. forgets like like rob said twitter twitter is a lie twitter is a bubble you know mm-hmm. you can put all these you know save the women's division hashtags and support women's wrestling hashtags and you know what everybody that you reach might agree with you and everybody that you reach might actually follow it and do it but as I'm again, you can go back to the anchor app, and I don't even know what episode it was. Rob pulled Twitter data, or Twitter data, if I can say it, <laughs> as to how many people in the world that are are using Twitter, and about how many of those actually probably engage in pro wrestling, and it is a fraction of what you think it is. And look, if you want another example. Okay, the, the guys on the other side of the street, you know, the root beer company. Yeah. One of their staples has been, been, you know, we care about tag team wrestling, unlike those guys over there in the WWE. They have a ton of tag teams. And those tag teams, you know, their matches are the kind of stuff that their particular fan base really enjoys. And for all this talk about, you know, you know, Vince doesn't care about tag team wrestling, you know, we need some real, we need, you know, the tag team divisions to be strong again, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so you have a company on the other side of the street which has made it a point to tell everybody how important tag team wrestling is there. They have half the audience of the 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 the, the WWE that doesn't care about the tag team wrestling. Right. Okay. So if, if you really cared about the tag team wrestling that much, you would go watch more of you would be watching the root beer company, okay? I mean, not for. I mean, it's just hard. There's so. I mean, there's so much going on on the show already. You have so many belts, and now you have these belts that need two women to carry them and two women to fight them, and that these ones go from show to show to show. But NXT has their own, and it's just like it. I feel like it when when finally someone said yes to the idea, they just said yes and went with it, and they wouldn't didn't go. Okay, now how are we going to do it? They just it, said, "Oh, we're going to do it like this." All right, cool. As Jason would say, it was a here damn moment. Exactly. Right. And you know, and, and that sucks because you know, for for starters, again, as I I spoke you know last episode about Naomi and the glow gimmick. In 2019, 2020, all the way up to 2022, women should not have to beg, borrow, and steal for every morsel that they're given in entertainment, period. Not just pro wrestling. Right. But for for these women to have to try and – it took a year, a year to convince Vince to give them women's tag team champ with as many women as they had on the roster then, as many women as they have on the roster now. It took a year – to convince him, this should have been as simple as, hey, we've got all these women, they're sitting around, they're not doing anything, let's get them on TV, how about you implement a couple of women's tag team championships, hey, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. What did it cost them? $1,000 to make the women's tag team championship belts? 2,000 tops? Like, being realistic, what, what what was the, it cost them nothing to produce those belts? No, no uh, 4,000, because they had to make two. Well, they had to make two, okay. So, no. even you're looking at $4,000, you're going to make that back in like five minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, they probably already made that back in triplicate. 
just selling. I don't know. If I don't know what their numbers are with the uh, with the replica belts. Yeah, but uh, just probably not that much. Um, but still, I mean, you've got. Why did it take? I'm sorry. I said not for nothing. Those belts are pretty. They are yeah. nice looking belts. Yeah, they really are nice looking belts. I, I I can guarantee you that if I was flipping through the website and my daughter saw women's tag team championship belts, she would want yeah. one. And if they weren't, you know, three hundred dollars a piece, she <laughs> might actually get one. But it, it should not have taken them a year to beg, borrow, and you know, plead to have this tag team division. And once you implement it, by God, do something with it. And that's the part that frustrates me with WWE. And again, we can say, oh, well, the fans have to watch and, you know, that you have to commit as well. But WWE, they start and stop with this goddamn thing. It's like they'll give us something really cool. And then they'll take like they started with Bailey and Sasha. And then as soon as Bailey and Sasha had it, the Iconics had it. Like we were just getting moving with Bailey and Sasha and they snatched it away from them and the Iconics had it. And then they did nothing. So I can see where Bailey and Sasha would have gotten frustrated about that. You know, you go back to the, oh, they were rolling around on the floor throwing a temper tantrum, which was bullshit. But I can see, do I think they were frustrated? Absolutely. Not because the Iconics won, but because this thing that they fought for and this thing that they they, they had to, you know, beg for for a year, they get it and they lost them, what, two months later? Yeah, like that. Yeah, Something like, like that. They lost them within two months. So, yeah, that's got to be a little frustrating. And then they lose them. And then the girls that they lose them to, off TV. Like, this thing that they fought for is now off TV. It's on two people that they had no plan. Like, if, if they had put it on the Iconics, and the Iconics were out there every week with, like, an open tag team challenge, absolutely, then that makes sense. You don't get frustrated. At least they're doing something with it. But then, you know, and again, we go back to uh, Natalia and Tamina. They started to do something, and then they lost it. Then you had, I think the longest run, excuse me, has really been um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because um, they um, they had okay, they had them twice, and um, because they won them, and then they lost them to Oscar and, and the 13 time women's champion, and then they won them back, and then they had them for like about five or six more months, and. According to, according to Wikipedia, the longest reign was the Kabuki Warriors at 171 days. Oh, uh, that's right. I always forget that uh, Kyrie Sane and, and Asuka. But again, that's two women who made something out of nothing. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and um, now, it, it's, I think the problem is there's, there's a lack of concentration on what the division is actually supposed to be. Right. Because the pitch has been, the, the original pitch was, okay, well, you know, give these other girls something to fight for. Give them something that can get more of them on TV. And that's a starting point. But there has to be of some other plan than that. And because what makes, I mean, what, what people, I mean, what makes tag team stuff great. Well, one of the things that makes tag team stuff great is like feuds between tag teams. <laughs> and they haven't really had one. Like there, there've been 
individual there have been feuds with some of the individual members that have spilled over into the tag team thing but they haven't had a like committed tag team feud whereas i mean like more i guess the most recent example for the men is i think like the new day and the usos right that was that was a committed tag team feud right those older guys we remember the rock and roll express and the midnight express they went across multiple companies and you know for years and years and years and anytime they ended up in the same company it was you know i mean it whoever was booking it was pretty simple right i mean oh we well, they're both here now we we know what to do right um, and and we go back to the, the the to the tweet last week from reg about people wrestling each other 20 times in a row rob how many times did dice those guys wrestle each other over multiple companies probably a thousand times man <laughs> i mean um and Jeez. yeah and but that was you know in the 80s, that, that was probably the tag team feud of the 1980s, the Rock and Roll yeah. Express and the Midnight Express. Yeah. Um, like I said, we, you know, we, here we had we had the Usos in the New Day. Um, and then in the Attitude Era, you had the Hardys, Agent Christian, and the Dudleys. Right? I mean, so you have these feuds, and the feuds are what make the division. And so you don't need 10 teams or eight teams or whatever, right? You, you really don't. A, look, a, a good long-lasting rivalry between two or three teams, I think, would do a lot more for that division than the than you know every once a year you put together five or six teams and they do the big match, right? Um, I think it would do much more for the division if you could get three or four teams, or even if you just get two or three teams. And you know what? We're going to be a team. This is what we're doing. All right, you know, we're not going to worry about the single stuff anymore. We're going to be a team. We're going to get the matching uniform, matching outfits, and we're going to, and this is what we're going to be, and we're not going to be nothing else, right? And if you can get two or three of those and then get a real feud going, um, I think that would do more for the division than waiting for Sasha and Bailey or Sasha and Naomi or to save the division, right? I think, um, and I th- I just think that would do a lot more for it because, well, right? And go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sure, finish your thought. Okay, because you know, because uh, they've been doing the same thing for three years now, and, and it's not, you know, creative's not committing, and one of the I think was well, doesn't catch on, right? I mean. Because we like the individuals in the team. You know, with the Kabuki Warriors, people loved Asuka and Kyrie, right? People loved yeah. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, people love Sasha and Bailey. They love Sasha and Naomi, right? Um, but they didn't love the tag team wrestling. Well, let's, let's go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you guys off. That's okay. I just mentioned uh, Rhea and Liv. Everybody loved them. Yeah. Let's prove Rob's point. When you think back, I'm going, to, I'm going to pull two recent, and when I say recent, I mean over the last three years, uh, women's tag team championship reigns and what made them interesting, because it certainly was not the tag team championships themselves or the times they were defended. Let's take uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. 
what made that the most interesting wasn't even a feud with the tag team. It was Nia's feud with Lana. Right. They they spent months as a tag team, and most of that time was dedicated to a storyline where they put Nia, uh, Lana through a table. Yeah. And the final payoff on that was Lana finally putting Nia Jax through a table. Yep. You know, right. and that's what made that interesting. If you look at um, Bailey and Sasha with one of their latest tag team runs, the big story there was the feud with Asuka. You know, and, and Asuka was part of that because, but they were also building towards the inevitable Bailey versus Sasha clash. And the, the tag team titles were kind of a prop there. So I really think that kind of hammers home Rob's point. If you put an interesting feud in the middle of all that and, and make it a blood feud, kind of like the Usos in the New Day, like the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, you know, and make it something where people feel it, you know, that's where the money is. I also I spun off of Rob's idea because he mentioned that to us in the chat about, you know, what about just basing it around three or four teams? And I was just like, well, and to myself, I go, well, why wouldn't they do some sort of like faction warfare thing? Um, I mean, I know that might take a lot of a lot of people and people that you aren't willing to commit, but it's also a good way for people who aren't doing anything to end up doing something, whether you have. You know, the raw women's and again, it'll take a lot of reconfiguration. So maybe it won't work until after the summer. I don't know. But maybe you have the raw women's champion, you know, who's and then her challenger and their flunkies who, you know, fight fight over the tag team division. I don't know. But I feel like I feel like they've just been doing the same repeated mess where they're like, oh, okay, we'll just put it on two people that you really, really like. And that'll be fine, right? And then nobody really does anything with it. Um, and and to be fair to Naomi and Sasha, they never really let that thing get off the ground after they won the titles. Um, it, feel, it felt like some weeks that they were an afterthought. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think there's any... I think you should go some sort of faction warfare or even if... Just, hell, do it like Rob said. Book three or four teams that are you know, the real teams that we know. And then obviously you're going to have filler, you know, because they can't fight each, fight all six of each other every single week. Right. Um, so you're going to have some filler around them, but you're building the division around these three teams. And, you know, they all win the championship in the, in the space of a year and a half. And then we blow it all off in a TLC, first ever women's tag team TLC match at WrestleMania. Well, oh, send the check, Vince. Because, um, like, with the Edge and Christian and the Dudleys and the Hardys, right, so they, they fought each other for, what, like, two years? Yeah. And then, but then they would occasionally drop the APA in there to, you know, and they would mix it up with some of those guys here and there. Um, But I just think, and look, you might just have to start calling, you might just have to look start in NXT building teams there like well they have some teams in nxt they have casey and katana they have gg and jc right so they have two and, and they're functioning as tag teams they're not functioning as wannabe singles wrestlers right now in nxt right. so you might look you might have to just do that you might have to just say okay we're, we're going to bring these teams up as teams and we're going to commit to them as teams that now that's on creative 
And that's, you know, and the old man has to stop the thing where he's always looking for the breakout single star from the tag team. Right. Um, Because he's always doing that. And he's not the only person who's ever done that. Eric Bischoff did that with Booker and he did it with Scott Steiner. Um, So, you know, he's, he's not the only one to do that. And we are guilty also because how many, how long have we been fantasy booking the Montez Ford singles run? Yeah. I was 100%. And I'm guilty of that. Yeah. We have been fantasy booking the Montez Ford singles run for a couple of years now. And not for nothing, it's clear why Vince and you mentioned Eric, they do it that way because they prefer singles wrestlers and they know how to make money with a breakout singles wrestler. So they're like, oh, I've got another one? Great. Yoink out of this tag team. Boom, into the singles division. Because historically in the business, and this is unfortunately the part of the conversation nobody wants to have, is that with a small portion of exceptions, I'm not going to say there's no money in tag team wrestling, but there's not the money in tag team wrestling that there is in singles wrestling. No, there's not. You know, aside from, you know, back in the day, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, the Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, to a slightly lesser degree, the Steiner Brothers, um, you know, the Hart Foundation were, you know, what they were. Demolition was what it was. But in general, I mean, a lot of teams were just thrown together. Yeah. The Dynamic Dudes were just thrown together. The Fantastics were just thrown together. You know, Doom, they took, you know, two guys and threw them together in hopes of recreating some of that, you know, road warrior magic and, you know, Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey, you know, thrown together, you know, right. and it, so, but none of these guys, none of these teams, aside from a handful, were like top draws. Right. Like real money drawing tag teams was a handful of them. And, you know, that that's, that's just how the way the business is. And um, look, I mean, Look, we love Jimmy and Jay, but again, me looking at the traffic numbers, Jimmy and Jay by themselves don't do a whole lot. Right. Jimmy and Jay with Roman is huge. Okay. Um, and it's just, you know, I mean, and I'm, like I said, there just historically have not been a lot of true money drawing tag teams. Tag team wrestling is part of the show. It helps make the show better. It's a nice change of pace so you don't have like eight singles matches and nothing else. Um, and tag team wrestling on its own is lots of fun to watch. It is. But as far as just straight up money drawing tag teams, there haven't been that many. Um, look, as much as we love the Edge and Christian and the Dudleys and the Hardys, um, people came to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. I mean, that now... That stuff was a bonus. It right. you know it made a good show into a great one by having them there. But we didn't we didn't come for that. Right? We, no. we we came for Austin. <laughs> we came for the Rock. We came for DX. We did not come. You know we didn't turn on Raw or wonder what Edge and Christian and the Hardys are going to do this week. No, it was what's, what's Austin and McMahon going to do. And now, they, again, they were part of the show. They made the show better. And, you know, and we have memories of them. And they're part of the reason that the Attitude Era is so beloved. And it's not just another period in time. But they were not the thing that attracted people to the show. 
Um, and again, we, we, you know, um, you know, the road warriors, the rock and roll express. I'm talking about people who like been on, who were, who you could put on top of cards and draw big crowds. There aren't that many. Um, there might not even be five. Okay. Um, yeah, there might, there might be five total. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you guys, I don't think there's, like, if there was a house show, and let's just say, I couldn't put together the card right now, but let's just say I'm looking at the card and I go, eh, I'm almost there. There's some people I like, there's some people I don't like, there's nobody I really love on this card, but it's local, maybe I'll go. Is there a tag team that would make you say, okay, now I'm going? Because for me, it's the New Day and the Usos, and that's it. I mean, really? I mean, because now, um, yeah, I mean. Hey, yeah. Oh, street yeah, sorry. Street yeah, I mean, so, I mean, and historically, like you said, like the road, like you would go to see the Road Warriors, right? You would go yeah. to see the Rock and Roll Express, um, you know, and, you know, it's a smaller scale, but ECW, people went to go see the Dudleys get their ass kicked. They wanted to see the Dudleys get their asses kicked because you yeah. know, they were just monster heels. And as much as it pains me to say this, on their little indie thing, you know, those Jackson boys did do some business. You, you, um, you beat me to it as pa- much as it would pain me to say <laughs> that. I, I think that a, a show that the Young Bucks main event would probably sell fairly well within their bubble. Oh, it, oh yes. Because look, look, I went to um, was a Ring of Honor Best in the World a few years ago, and they were on second to last, and there were people leaving after they were done. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I believe that. Like I said, I don't have to be a fan of the Young Bucks yeah. to understand that those guys are a draw in 2022. Like I, I'm not, I'm not stupid. You know, putting my own bias aside. Right. So, but there aren't. But as far as drawing, like nationally. Big crowds. We're talking Road Warriors. We're talking Rock and Roll Express, um, and maybe one or two others. We're not. I mean, yeah. we're not. I mean, so that's reality. So now, when you add, you know, when you add in the fact that it's on the women's side, which there are already obstacles to it, you know, well, the big obstacle being sexism, of course, uh, that, that prevent it from making being as big a thing as it could be um but okay so not worrying about that aspect of it but can you make it better can you make a women's tag division better into something that is more interesting than it is now where people will be interested in the women's tag team wrestling itself yeah. I think yes, you can do that, but you need creative needs to commit, and you need, like I said, two or three teams to commit. Saying, look, we're you know to just we're going to be a team, and this is what it is, and we're not breaking up, we're not going solo, uh, we're going to do this tag team thing, and uh, you know as long as we're here. And, I think, uh, I think another thing that it will take, and this is something that you've mentioned. Um, multiple times in past episodes uh when we talk about the women's division a lot of times promoters and fans in general still treat these women like they're delicate flowers okay i really think that if you're going to commit to a, a a women's division in general as well as women's tag team division you let these women get out there and get after it like stop with the you know one to two minute matches 
things like that. Like I think of some of the best women's matches in recent memory. Um, that I, I go right back to the I Quit match with Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. Those two girls beat the hell out of each other. And I think it's okay to let the women do that. And and I feel like, you know, WWE in, in particular, I think kind of protects some of these girls, and I don't know why. Um, but I, I think, you know, let them get out there and get after it, man, and let them have a few that echoes that of, you know, Edge and Christian and the Hardys. And it's, you know, that kind of thing. Let them get out there and have a blood feud, not – not get busted open and bleed all over the place, but you know what I'm saying when I say a blood feud. Let me get out there. Let me feel it. Don't just throw, you know, tag team of the week together and have them, you know, get mad about something. And then two weeks later, they're wrestling somebody else, which seems to be the pattern with this women's tag team division. I mean, give me what the feeling, give me the feeling that the Usos and RK bro gave me. Like, give me that. Where it's like, hey, we are two for four, you know, serious competitors who are, who want this thing. So and make it make it feel like uh, I it's tough with the the women's division because I know obviously we have to drag certain members of the fan base kicking and screaming, but um, I think that it definitely could be presented better. And I think the kind of streamlining the process in terms of the teams and who's in the division and who's not and who's kind of just a guest star for the week and whatnot because um, it just seems like they they just get to the end of whatever book they had for, you know, the tag team division. They just grab a whole new book and they're like, all right, new teams, new everything. All right. Yeah. It's frustrating, especially when you're as big a fan of, of women's wrestling as we are. And to think of where women's wrestling was in the attitude era, you know, when we were loaded with pillow fights and bra and panty matches and jello fights and, mud wrestling matches and all this stuff and, and, and bras and panties, I was always overjoyed to get an actual women's wrestling match. Like when they would give Lita and Trish Stratus 10, 12 minutes to go out there and have a real match, I was absolutely ecstatic for that. So to go from that in the late 90s, early 2000s to now where we have this incredible women's roster – and we could have some incredible women's wrestling to, to see that we're still not, we haven't tipped that scale completely yet. It's very frustrating as a fan. And, and I feel like WWE should be further along than they are. It's like, they give us glimpses of it. Like we get Sasha and, or not Sasha, but well, Sasha, Sasha and Charlotte, hell in the cell. We get, you know, Charlotte and Ronda, I quit matches. And every now and then we get really killer stuff. But I I, I don't know. I, I wish it was more consistent. Yeah, it's... Because it's, um, it's like, well, you're constantly pulling teeth because the people, you know, look, look, as long as you have men in charge holding all the power in the wrestling companies, plural, it's pulling teeth to get more for the women. And, right. you know, cause look, and I mean, for all our frustrations with WWE, you know, the other side of the street is worse. Um, <laughs> um, and 
You know, and then, you know, that's one of the sad things about Ring of Honor shutting down when it did, because they, they had gotten their women's division up and running really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they they had to sell the company. And, yeah. And they, they were doing some really good stuff there. And, and right now, I don't think Tony's really done much of anything. Uh, well, they, they, they crowned a permanent champion, uh, but... That's about it. He's not really doing a whole lot with the women's division of Ring of Honor there now. Um, and but as, as long as you have men in all the positions of power in these companies, uh, just the default position is going to be to push men and to put men at the top of everything. Um, you know, well, I guess until you get like a some forward-thinking man in charge somewhere. Um, and we have a glimpse of what's possible with NXT. Yeah, I was getting so, ready to say, if anybody is that man, it's as much as some people don't want to admit this, it's Triple H. I think yeah. Triple H sees the vision. Oh, he does. He does. And Sean is executing it down there. And and again, you know, for the millionth time, who would have thought, you know, Shawn Michaels in charge of, uh, of something who, would be good? Right? Who would have thought he would be the booker of the year? Yeah, and it's, but you, like, because look, um, last night, you know, they had eight matches last night, four of them were women's matches. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, this is like, so it, it can be done. And, you know, and, 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 you know, they have women in other parts of the show doing vignettes and backstage promos and things. So there's a model right there for how to do this right there on Tuesday nights. If you so for any of you listening to us, if you want to see how to book, you know, a women's division on a televised wrestling show, you should watch NXT 2.0 on Tuesday nights. Okay, that is, I mean, it's right there. You should watch it if you if you really are big on women's wrestling. If you're as big on women's wrestling as you say you are, and you want to see it done right, as far as matches and layouts and all that thing. Then that's what you should be watching. You should be watching NXT 2.0, okay? Because they do it right, um, and everybody else is—it's inconsistent. It's hit and miss. It's okay, well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna commit to these few people, and then everyone else has just got to get the scraps. That's—I mean—that's where it is with every other company. Um, well, with Raw and SmackDown in particular, with Dynamite, um, that's what you're getting with those shows. Uh, NXT 2.0 is they, they they do it right. Okay, they they get you know they get they have several matches. They have stuff going on, you know, other than the you know, and we've been through this before. But they do it right. If you want to, and so, so this is an opportunity to mm-hmm. vote with your vote with your remote control, right? Yeah. Uh, um, go to where it's being done right. Because yeah. look, I mean, we we can complain about bad behavior, we can condemn bad behavior, but you also have to reward the good behavior. Because mm-hmm. yeah. because if you don't reward the good behavior, then then eventually they're going to throw their hands up and say, "Well, you know, we did what y'all said y'all wanted," <laughs> and, and you're not and you're not watching it. Yeah. Um, so you got look there there is good behavior going on, and you need to reward it. Um, you know, and you know, and Impact Wrestling is you know also consistently done right by their women's division, and 
They've had women's championships since 2009. Yeah. Yeah, and they've had and and look here's, here's an example of Impact doing it right. When you know when you know when Mickey James got the call to be in the Royal Rumble this year, they had a pay-per-view a couple of weeks after that announcement was made. And they made they, they made her title defense the main event of the pay-per-view. Right? <laughs> okay. Um they properly took advantage of the opportunity there. Yeah. Um so again, you need to you gotta reward good behavior. It's not enough because we can complain and look, we 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 spent this whole show criticizing, criticizing creative, criticizing fans, criticizing talent even. Yeah. But and we can you can do that, but that only goes so far. You have got to reward good behavior. Um look, one of the reasons I mentioned, you know, Tamina and Talia, because they did exactly the thing that we Exactly the thing that we said that more of the talent should do. They went and did it last year. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to take something from, from everybody, from creative, from fans, from talent. And we got to, re- but we got to reward good behavior when it happens. Uh, and that's really all there is to it. I mean, you you got to do that because otherwise they're going to respond to the, like they're going to do what gets the response. Yeah. Know? And if you don't reward the good behavior, then eventually they're going to, they're, they're going to give up on it. Yeah. And that's, you know, this goes back to, you, you got to support it. it. It's up to you eventually, or ultimately it's up to all of us as fans, because as I've said earlier in the show and countless times on this show, Vince McMahon does not turn down money. And if he thinks there's money to be made in a women's tag team division, you can bet your ass there will be a believable, legitimate women's tag team division on WWE programming. Whether or not that floats across both brands, whether or not it's one brand specific, he will dedicate time to it if it brings in money. And that, at the end of the day, that's what this business is about. You know, they can put your favorite on TV all they want, but if nobody's watching your favorite – your favorite's not going to be on TV very long. And, right. and that's, you know, a very unfortunate, you know, and I'm not even going to go down that road because there's a list of people that were my favorite wrestler that are no longer in the company. And some of that is because they weren't drawing. People weren't watching them. They weren't selling T-shirts. They weren't selling merchandise. And that's just unfortunately the way it is. Right. So... So I, they, you can only they can only take you to water. They can't force you to drink. Right. So guys, I think we've run that one into the ground. Um, yeah. <laughs> have we, yeah. Have we got anything else here tonight, or do we want to call it? Uh, do we want to call it early? Well, just in general, um, this looks like because we mentioned this before that we're kind of in a cool down period right now. Yeah. Uh, because things ran pretty hard all the way through backlash. Um, and so right now, yeah, this is kind of a cool down period. Um, they're because they're they just doesn't feel there isn't that like that heavy sense of urgency right now. Because I think look, I think they're basically resetting because you know Money in the Bank is coming at the beginning of July. Then you got SummerSlam, and then you got the the stadium thing in uh, where's that um, in the UK? Yeah, in the UK, yeah, the the castle thing. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, that's, those are the big priorities, I think. So, you know, we're basically, we're going to get through June here. Um, 
And I'm saying that basically to say that, you know, this, there's no point in getting, you know, and doing the whole dirty diaper thing. Um, because look, we're going to get through, we're getting through June. We're going to get through June. All right. Yeah. Um, so look, if you, if you need to take a break, this is probably a good time to do it. Okay. Yeah. What, what we mean, call it summer doldrums. I mean, yeah, I'm, was, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, um, if, if, you know, if you need, if you feel the need to, if it's not, if it's just not working for you the last few weeks, if you feel like maybe you should take a break, this is probably the time to do it because, you know, just looking at the way that they're setting things up for Hell, Hell in the Cell is in like, what, a week and a half? Yeah. And they haven't, there's like no matches from SmackDown announced for the show yet. Yeah, everything on there is for Raw, Raw specific. Honestly, get yourself to, to Raw, to, to Hell in a Cell itself, because I think Cody and Seth, if nothing else, is going to be a lot of fun. And then, yeah, like Rob said, it's okay. Take a month off. Come back. See us at Money in the Bank. We'll still be here. Yeah, so, and trust me. Well, you know, we will. You know, look if we if we got if, look if we got to play greatest if we got to do the nostalgia act for a few weeks, then you know we can do that here. It's no problem. Um, but uh, this is yeah, this you know because look, I've always said you know take a break it's okay to take a break like you, yeah you sh- don't don't make yourself miserable for four weeks here right if it, if it's just not working for you right now um they got stuff you know they're ironing stuff out they're figuring out who's going to be around you know um there are rumors that you know cena may come back through during the summer um you know um so that you know that they're figuring out what to do because um, look they they burned through all their creative pretty much at the end of, you know, with backlash. Um, and they're just kind of, you know, just kind of muddling their way through right now. So yeah. Until we start ramping up for SummerSlam, we're in a bit of a lull. Yep. So yeah, I mean, by all means, look, if you're feeling the need to take a break, if you're, um, cause look, I mean, look, if you got, you got Peacock, right. If, if, if in, you know, September, you feel the need to go back and see what was going on during June. You can, you, you'll be able to do that, right? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I would, you know, just don't, don't, you know, don't push your way through and be miserable during June to the point where come summertime, you don't even want to watch anymore. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and in closing with this whole, and, and we're not going to talk too much about Naomi and Sasha. For all the people out there wondering whether or not it's a work, wondering whether or not it's a shoot, the, the only advice I would tell you at this point is quit worrying about it. Watch the show, as Rob says. If this is all just some big thing, it will play itself out on TV. If it's a shoot and these women are gone, they will show up on the other program within a few months. And then you'll know. Then you'll have your answer. Don't sit here online and speculate and you know, it, it pine, drive yourselves insane trying to figure out what the hell's going on with Naomi, Naomi and Sasha. Because, you know, there's there's a lot of nuggets being left now as that lead people to believe that this may be a work. So don't drive yourselves nuts. Just watch the show. Yeah, and don't do the thing because now we're at the point now where, you know, Dave Meltzer is pulling stuff out of his ass. Yeah. Um, because, well, basically, he said Sunday that, well... Sasha was upset because, you know, Ronda Rousey took her spot at WrestleMania. Oh, fuck him. And yeah, no, that's, that's, 
we don't even need to breathe any more air into that. No, dude. no, it's just all, all I'll say to that is, if that was the thing, why'd you wait till now? Yeah, he um, didn't. It's just Dave talking out his ass, and and then just us speaking to it is is going to what's gives the, what's it, the, it gives it energy. That's what's true. the word? Yeah. Yeah. Aggregate. Don't aggregate this. No, right. no, no. We're not going to aggregate anything. We're going to yeah. call the go home spot right there, yeah, gentlemen. That's a good idea. Yeah, let's do that before we get ourselves in trouble. All right. Yeah, this is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I'm DJ Rob from the Rob the Genius Podcast. Rob, thank you tonight. Uh, always a pleasure, my man. Yes, sir. And Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Jason, always a fun night when you're on here, sir. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure to be here. And I want to thank again Greg for thinking, or Greg DeMarco for thinking that we didn't, you know, not thinking we sucked <laughs> and having us here on the Chair Shot Network. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling, you can call it sports entertainment, you can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.